Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, but not lost. With Tony, Kristen, Kylie, and Lexi. Join us on this RV full-time living journey. Across the beautiful United States. Where the fail was. At the time of this recording, we've been to 10 national parks and have plans to go to four or five more this year. One of the goals of our full-time journey is to visit every national park. And this episode, we're going to discuss Utah's Mighty Five and then dive into some other thoughts that we have on the national park system. Before we get into the details, we want you to pause this episode and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Fayolas and our website, thefayolas.com, where we share even more of our journey. And the show notes for this episode will be at thefayolas.com slash eight. Ooh, good, Kylie. <laughs> yes, thefayolas.com slash eight. Okay, girls, what is your favorite national park in Utah? Zion, because it had tunnels. One was short and one was very long. Yep. It was not, like pitch black not, in there. Not like two hours, just uh, like a few minutes. Yeah, they were cool though, right? You got to drive into the rock. Yeah, that was cool. Mountain. And there's Actually. like windows. Kylie, what's your favorite? My favorite is arches because there's so many cool arches and pinnacles. And my other favorite one is... Wait, can you say all the... National Parks again? Zion, Bryce Canyon, Capitol Reef. Capitol Reef. What did you like about Capitol Reef? Because it was cool. Oh. And it was pretty. Was it where the, like, the holes were that I could fit in? Yeah. That, that's why, my, why it's my favorite. I think my favorite out of the five is Zion. Everything there is just massive. Yes, Zion is my favorite as well. When I think of national parks, uh, Zion is what I picture. The massive mountains are just huge, and they make you feel like you're just this little tiny speck on the world, which you are, but that park really puts it in perspective, I think. Uh, It's breathtaking, jaw-dropping. I mean, that's just what I think of when I think of national, national parks. I agree. Me too. Me too. We went to Arches in October of 2020. Normally, this is the end of their popular season, but it wasn't that bad that year, and I think it's because of COVID. Moab was pretty much shut down, I think, so um, Arches was not as busy. It was actually not bad at all in the park. We didn't have to wait at all to even get into the park. Some of the overlooks and parking lots were full, but to get into the park, there was like no wait or anything like that. Arches is smaller than any other Utah national park except Bryce National Park. Bryce Canyon. Canyon. Bryce Canyon, yeah. The park has tons of natural arches, hundreds of pinnacles. The park has rock fins. What else? Giant rocks that look like they're balancing. It's a really cool park. There's a ton of hikes there. There's also a really cool, like, where you can just drive through and see most of it. That's kind of what we did a couple times. We went into arches quite a few times. We took Halloween photos there. We went in our Halloween costumes. Yep, did some night shots, climbed some arches in the in your costumes. <laughs> I had a skeleton costume there. And Lexi had a witch, and we did some really cute 
Yeah, her, photos. B- her broom was light up, so when she moved it around and Dad took photos, it looked like there was, like, fire around her or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was fun. Getting to uh, Arches National Park, you really just drive into Moab, right? Wasn't it right before yeah, it's, Moab? It's, like, on the northern end of Moab. And when, as soon as you go through the gates, you have to kind of do a few switchbacks and go up. Yep, you climb up and enter the park. And from there, there's all kinds of different views. I would unhook if you're towing, um, if you're an RV and you're towing, I would unhook before going in. And before you actually, once you get through the gate, before you go up the hill, um, there is the visitor center and there's a ton of park in there, RV and car parking. So you could probably park your RV and then just drive up. Yeah, that might be better too because the switchbacks are a little extreme. When you're inside Arches, you want to make sure you do a few things. Something that I really liked was the courthouse towers. I think that looked really cool. It it really looked like a building. I think <laughs> the way it's it, way it's formed. Yep, and balanced rock. Mm-hmm. That is also really cool how it's formed. We did some pictures there with the girls in their costumes, and we'll make sure to put those in the post so you can see them. Cool area is uh, the windows. It has its own section. You, you take its own road there, and uh, the windows are um, holes in the rock that aren't quite arches yet. So in a few thousand years, when you go back, there might be some arches. Delicate Arch is probably the most popular spot in the entire park. Yeah, that's the arch that you see a picture of pretty much anywhere. On the license plate and stuff. Devil's Garden is a really cool area. Um, there's an awesome hike that goes through there. We were not able to do it because it's a ranger-led hike, and they weren't doing it at the time. That area, though, is pinnacles, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all different colors. They're very, very pretty. It's it's a pretty area. We enjoy driving through the entire park, but there are tons of hikes that you can do as well. I think, I mean, you can, like, we got out and did a few little hikes, two specific things, like the you and the girls went out to Delicate. Yeah, we did Delicate Arch. There's another one called Skyline Arch, which is huge. We did that one. And we just tried to pick... Smaller hikes so that the girls didn't, you know, they didn't wear out before we got back. And we, and you can see a lot of stuff just from the road too. So if I was going to Arches, Tony, where would I stay? There's a few places. We boondocked right down the road from Arches, um, north of the park and just some uh, BLM land. And if you're interested in boondocking, you can check out our podcast. I think it's the sixth podcast. Right? It wasn't yeah, it wasn't so. before this because that was Arizona. Yeah. Six, um, where we talk all about moondocking, all of our tips, and you can also check out the show notes for links and stuff of apps that we use to find boondocking spots. And Moab is very boondocker friendly. Yeah, there's lots of places to dump and fill up right in Moab. So, yep. you know, that's a really good spot to do that and save you some money. Another place that we stayed before... We boondocked was Ballard RV Park in Thompson Springs. It's about a 40-minute drive um, from point A to point B. But it's a really nice place, and it was really affordable. I think we ended up staying there a couple weeks. And that park, we also talked about that park in our Utah podcast. Um, I think that was our first podcast. Number one. Yeah. (laughs) And we talked about that one, but just a little bit of detail on that. There's a ton of trails around there that you can check out with petroglyphs and really cool things. So that is a really cool park to stay at with other things to do around the area, not just arches. There's dinosaur tracks, tons of cool things to do around that park. 
Yep, Arches has its own campground called Devil's Garden Campground. It has 51 sites. And those are RV friendly. In Right in Moab, there are several RV parks and campgrounds that you could stay at and hotels if you're not even RV traveling. Yeah, if you're staying in the area or if you want to go to that park, I would stay in Moab or Thompson Springs. And if you're staying in one of those areas, you could also go to Canyonlands as well. Bryce Canyon National Park we did on our second trip to Utah. This park is mostly known for its pinnacles, right? Yep, the hoodoos. There's hoodoos, there's windows. I think there's some arches, small arches there. Thor's hammer. Oh, there's one that's called an arch, but it's actually a land bridge. Or the other way around. This park is on the higher end of getting into. I think it's $35 a car to get in here. It's probably one of the more expensive parks to get into um, in Utah. But it is a really cool park. It's smaller though, right? Like, oh, it's the smallest it's park. It's the smallest. Yeah. And there's not a lot of driving around inside. This one, you, if you want to explore this park, you will more than likely need to do a hike or two. Yeah. There is a... There's a scenic drive that goes through. I think it's eight miles around or eight miles in and eight miles out. So maybe 16 miles round trip. I don't know how you remember that. <laughs> Neither. Some random fact about miles. Um, but we did a hike there. What is it called? Sunset Point or something? It was the Rim Trail. It's from Sunset Point to Sunrise Point or vice versa. Okay. And that's an easy trail, and you get to go up and take pictures at the top. Yeah, you get a, diff a few different points of view over all the hoodoos and stuff. And just the area around Bryce Canyon is really cool. Yeah, Red Canyon Tunnel. The Red Canyon Tunnel is outside, yep. right? Yeah, basically Bryce the road Bob. in. Um, the road into Bryce Canyon, you go through the Red Canyon, and they have a couple tunnels, small tunnels that you go through. It's basically dr like driving through arches. A lot of firs and pines and junipers, big, thick forests around there. With trees, which is kind of shocking for that area. <laughs> yeah. And it's got, um, I think that's pretty decent elevation in that area, too. So the temperatures weren't bad, even like Memorial Weekend. Where should we stay? There are several places to stay in the town of Bryce, uh, which is right at the entrance of Bryce Canyon. I think it's called Ruby's. They have a big hotel. They have pretty much everything there. Ruby's like runs the town. So there's hotels, there's RV parks, there's campgrounds inside of Bryce Canyon, and then there's boondocking, which was what we did. We boondocked about 20 minutes outside of Bryce Canyon in the Dixie National Forest. That's where the girls had the fort, right? Yep. You could do Zion and Bryce on the same trip, for sure. They're right next to each other. Pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I think they're within an hour of each other. And then Capitol Reef is kind of after that one so yeah capitol reef's kind of out on its own Canyonlands national park it's the largest in utah it's the one that we explored the least we drove into this park through schaefer jeep trail and went to the visitor center and then left so this is one that we do need to go back and explore a little bit more because there's so much more i mean we didn't even get to go to their main arch that they have yeah we missed kind of a one of the main attractions there but in our defense, it was after a long day on the trail, and we kind of came up into Canyonlands, went to the visitor center, and then we made the call, like, we're just going to call it a day and come back. But that one is, what, west of Moab? Yep. 
So if you want to go there from Moab, how far away is it? I think it's about a half hour west of Moab. You could, you could really, you could do arches and canyon lands in probably a day or two. Okay. When you go to Canyonlands National Park, you want to make sure that you see a few things. One of them is their main arch there, which I cannot remember the name of. And sadly, we are in an area that has zero service, so we cannot look it up. However, I will put it in the show notes, uh, but it's their main arch. Something else to see is Island in the Sky. And this is right when you get off the Schaefer Trail Jeep Trail. Yep. It's like it's, They call it... Um... Part of it is the uh, Grand View Overlook. And you can get to this from, if you're in Canyonlands National Park, you can come the other way and just go there and then turn around. You don't have to go through the switchbacks to see this. Yeah. And I'd it's probably easily recommend accessible. that. Yep. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> if, you're, if you have the guts, do the trail. The trail is fun. Do the trail. Horseshoe Canyon is also something else to check out in that park. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of actually um, backcountry there for hiking. Um, I mean, you can go out for days and days hiking out there. So be prepared if you go to Canyonlands. It's huge. Something we did and loved was the Schaefer Trail. So this started inside in Moab, and we talk about this on our Utah Utah podcast. Yep. Yep, we talk about this on the Utah podcast in more detail. Definitely check that out if you want to know more. Um, But that trail is really cool, and it ends with some switchbacks that go into Canyonlands. So highly recommend that trail. It was terrifying for me, but it was a lot of fun. Where do I stay for Canyonlands? Same place as Arches. I would, you know, mainly look around Moab area, Thompson Springs. In Moab, there's boondocking, there's hotels, RV park. Now for a family favorite, Zion. At least three of us. (laughs) Kylie liked Arches better, but the rest of us like Zion. Yeah, it was fun. Super fun. This park is huge. I mean, huge. And it's not the park. It's not the size of the park. It's the stuff. It's the size of everything in it. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're driving on the road and you have these huge, massive mountains next to you that with like green all over them and they're just gorgeous and it it just really puts it in perspective just yeah a lot of trees a lot of wildlife and it kind of feels like the rocks are falling yeah they're like very looks like they could just break off in any second right very close to you does anyone know what river carved that canyon colorado river no the virgin river Oh, we would have never guessed that. (laughs) (laughs) The Virgin River carved the canyons. There is a scenic road that snakes through the entire canyon, but you should try and also hike this park. There's a lot of really good hikes. Yeah, some of the most famous hikes are in Zion, like Angel's Landing. I think everybody who knows hiking knows that one. And there's the Narrows. You have to hike. Part of the hike is through the river, which is interesting. But those are more uh, strenuous hikes. There's a lot of easy stuff, too. You can also, um, on that scenic road, you drive through the tunnel, which is what Lexi talked about in the beginning of the podcast. That was really fun. It's um, just over a mile long. There's two tunnels, but the first one is just over a mile long, and it's pitch black except for maybe two or three windows carved out, and you drive right through the mountain. 
And you can echo. Echo, echo. Yeah, we were hollering the whole time we were going through there. Another section of this park, which you do not want to miss, and you probably will unless you <laughs> specifically go looking for it, is called Colub. Yep. It's in its own separate unit. It's a little ways away. About a half hour north of Zion. But man, the views there are spectacular. And it's it will probably be busy because nobody really goes there. It's not as busy as the other side. So if Zion is really busy, check out Colub Canyons because it is gorgeous. I mean, I, I mean, obviously I love Zion. I think Zion is beautiful. But I would say Colub Canyons I like better than maybe even some of the other national parks in Utah. It's definitely worth checking out. It's very small. I think how long is that scenic road there? Two miles, three miles? And it's several, several okay. miles, but it's an in and out. It's not a big thing. But there are lots of little um, overlook areas and pullouts that you can pull over and take photos, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. And you see the five fingers there, right, or whatever yeah, it's called? You'll probably want to stop at all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and there are some places to hike there as well. When we were there, when were we there? What month do you remember? May. May. There was still snow out there. Yeah, and some of the higher higher spots in the shade. Again, you can go to this park when you go to uh, Bryce. So wherever you're staying for Bryce National Park, stay, you know, maybe pick somewhere between Bryce and Zion. We actually boondocked right outside of Zion in BLM land, right? Yep. We boondocked about 20 minutes outside of the main entrance of Zion. They have a really nice visitor center. If you go there, I went there several times. We went there several times, and um, the earlier you go, the the busier it is, I think. I had a hard time finding a parking spot when I went to there really early. There's a campground right inside Zion, if you're going to stay there, tent or RV. Um, there's a boondocking where we stayed 20 minutes outside of there. And there's some RV parks and hotels right outside the in the town that's right outside of Zion to, as well. There's quite a few RV parks, too, that we passed between our BLM spot and the park. But they were all full, so something to think about. If you stay in BLM land outside, we actually did find a spot where we could dump and fill up water for free. Yep, in the town of Laverkin. There's a Maverick gas station. has free dump and water. And that Love was like, Mavericks. what, 10 minutes away? Or if that, maybe. All right, the last national park... Capital Reef. Um, try to plan a trip here around a harvest time because they have a ton of orchards here. Pretty much all the fruits. Yeah, a lot know. of fruit trees. All the fruits from Animal Crossing you can get there. <laughs> Pears, peaches, apples, apricots. oranges, cherries. You don't get apricots anymore. Well, you should. <laughs> He's moved on to real world, Kylie. <laughs> We were there. There was a ton of deer there. Yes, right by the visitor center. There was a ton, and there's like people eating at the tables, and there's deer all around them. It's cool to see the deer, especially because a lot of them were, you know, bucks with the yeah in velvet. Yeah, still. which is really cool to see. But at the same time, they should not be that. They should not be that desensitized from people. It bugs me. You can tell they're fed, even though there's signs everywhere that say don't feed, but they obviously get fed. It's like they're just grabbing a quick little fruity snack and some grass and then they're leaving. Yeah, it'd be of. different if they were in the orchards, you know, like then it's popular because they're in the orchards, but they were in like the picnic area. The deer are 
normally run away when people walk by them or drive by them. And these ones didn't, did they? Yeah, because uh, some people, or a lot of people, feed them, which is bad. You're right. Good job. Because they can get sick, and then other, and then that deer can do something that the more deer can get sick. Well, plus the more they're around people, the more likely they are to get hurt, hit by a car or something. Yes. And the national parks teach you not to, right, in your junior ranger program. Yeah. And if you, if a person had been feeding like an animal or a deer for like people haven't been following the rules, uh, then the deer won't be able to get its own food because it'll just want to get food from the human. Yeah. Correct. That's called dependency. Like you guys. We all need to depend <laughs> on daddy. We do. We all depend on dad. Just me too. I knew I shouldn't have fed you. <laughs> this park is perfect for those that love a good road trip or a good byway because there is a you know, a good scenic road that goes through this entire park. Um, and there are, I think there's hikes still. I mean, uh, every oh, yeah, national park has hikes, but the, you can see almost everything from the road here. Yep, there's quite a few hikes. There's a, a couple um, extracurricular roads that you can do. One of them is called Grand Wash. It's a dirt road. It's like not a maintained dirt road. When it rains, it floods and all that stuff. Make sure you have something that's capable to do a road like that. But it's worth it if you can get back in there. And there's a trailhead at the end as well. But you go through a a huge canyon to get there. There's a lot of Wild West history here. Um, Supposedly Butch Cassidy and his wild bunch hung out here. And they named an arch after him called the Butch Cassidy Arch. Yeah, I think that's actually really interesting. That area has some Butch Cassidy history too, not like outside that area as well. Um, outside the National Park is what I'm getting at. Um, and inside the visitor center, there's a couple books about the wild bunch <laughs> and hanging out. So it's really cool to hear about it. And when you're kind of, when you're driving through there or when you're taking that hike, it's it's fun to think about the fact that he did that. You know, like running from the police or something. <laughs> he might have taken that same route. There's also a ton of domes, steep peaks, canyons, natural bridges. There's a big natural bridge there. Uh, arches that you can see. There's also an old schoolhouse. I think that's, is that inside of the National Park or right outside of it? I think it's still inside the National Park. I, it's called Fruta's Schoolhouse. And it's from the 18, 18, it's from 1896, I think. But the last they used it was like the 1930s or something. It's really cool. They have a display inside still that you can check out. Do you guys remember that little schoolhouse? Yes. Yes, but we didn't go inside. Now you can look through yeah. the windows. Yeah. The door was locked. There was like, uh, like a couple snakes, like a snake on a desk, a, a, sca- a, st- a snake in a box. Mm-hmm. The display said that the kids played a prank on the teacher and brought in the snakes, fake snakes, and it scared her. So that's what those are. And it shows, like, on the desk, there's little slates and chalk Mm -hmm. that students used to use. In the ink, yep, really cute. And little mini books. Lexi loves mini books, so she loved that part. (laughs) I was like, I want to go in there really bad and take those books. (laughs) That's why they don't let you in. (laughs) 
it was cool to see that little schoolhouse. Um, fun little backstory here. Before we sold our house, our ho- our house was actually a one-room schoolhouse before it was a house. <laughs> and then right down the road from the Fruta schoolhouse is uh, some petroglyphs. There's a little boardwalk. You can walk out to see them. There's Stream. Yep, there's a little stream running through there, and they're all up and down the rocks. It's crazy to see how they got those up there. At the schoolhouse, there's like a radio outside that tells you all about it. Mm-hmm. You can push the button, and it plays the, the little story from one of the teachers. This park is also an international dark sky park, and it's vi- it, I can see why. It's very dark, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's nothing around it. So, yeah, I'd imagine if you were there at midnight, it would be uh, some of the best night skies you could see. Getting to this park is a little interesting. You... It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so you drive for a long ways. I would make sure there is a little town that you go through before you get to the park that has a couple restaurants, but I would make sure you have food or, you know, eat before you come type of thing. Yeah, plan ahead, bring some snacks and foods, but we did stop, and I think we'll get some burgers or something before we went in. Where do you stay? We stayed at the Circleville RV Park in Circleville, I think it was about an hour and a half drive from our RV park to Capitol Reef. But um, there's some places along the way that you can stay that wouldn't make it as far of a drive. There's some campgrounds, and there's BLM right outside of Capitol Reef you could stay at. Did we talk about the orchards yet? Oh, yeah, we did in the very beginning. But let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. There is actually, inside this park, I don't know, five different orchards Maybe more than that. How many do you, was there about five? And they have these, I mean, they're fenced off. They're um, big orchards. Uh, unfortunately, when we went there, that wasn't during a harvest time, so there was no fruit on any of them. But it was really cool to see that. Um, and those were brought by the Mormon families that came before and planted all those. Yeah, in the 1800s. So, I mean, that's really cool that those are still alive and thriving. Still maintained. And that is the Mighty Five. That is all five national parks in Utah. Okay, could you go to all five parks in a week, you think, Tony? Yes. Uh, would you where like would you just like work your way around and you'd have to move to different campsites? You couldn't stay in one spot anywhere I don't really in the think there's a- I don't really think there's a good central location to get all five. I mean, possibly, but that's a lot of driving. Okay, so you would recommend if you want to go to see all five parks within a week vacation or something like that, you would, you'd want to move locations. It's doable for sure. Girls, if you could recommend one park, like if you were like talking to somebody in um, Vermont and they're coming to Utah and they were like, what park should I go to? What national park should I go to? What would you say? I would probably say Arches. Because it's your favorite. But would you say... You know, you could you could easily go to Arches and Canyonlands or what? I mean, what do you think? Um, I'll say Zion and Canyonlands. Why did you like Canyonlands? You want Capitol Reef? Yes. Yeah, I just I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, there's Canyonlands and Capitol Reef. Yeah, they're confusing. So, Lexi, you would really push for Zion for sure and Capitol Reef because that's a fun one. Yeah, it's very fun. There was a wall with, like, holes, and I could fit in it. And there's, like, a big hole that was the first hole that I found. And 
dad put yeah, me Yeah, I picked up. you up and shoved you to, into the hole in the wall, right? Yeah, and then I got out and then, oh no, dad got me out because it was too high. And then I found another hole, which was like a chair. Yeah. <laughs> so that was on the, was that on the wash trail? That was on the, yeah, Grand Wash Trail. And it looked almost looked like a cheese wall or something. Yep. <laughs> Swiss cheese wall. It had like tons of holes. Yeah. Really cool. You wouldn't want to eat it though. No. <laughs> it would break your teeth out for sure. <laughs> so I want a ranking. Top park to least favorite park. Who wants to go first? Okay, go ahead. Arches, Zion, Capitol Reef, Cannonlands, and Bryce. Okay. Lexi. Zion, Bryce, actually not Bryce. Capital Reef? Yes, Capital Reef. We'll start over. Zion, Capital Reef, um, yeah, Arches, Bryce. And then the last one, Canyonland? Yes. Dad? I'm going to say um, Zion, Arches, Bryce... Canyonlands, Capital Reef. What was that? Maybe first one? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to rank them. I I have to say that I would probably be very similar. I it's hard for us too because we did not visit much of Canyonlands, um, and the part that we did was very very cool. So I would say that Zion is my favorite. Um, Arches would be next, and then I would say um, Bryce. After that. I don't know. I I, yeah. I I definitely think for me, Zion and Arches are top two, and after that, I liked all of them about the equal amount. Okay, let's share some tips that work for all national parks, not just the five in Utah. And I have to say that I think my biggest tip is one that I don't even want to share with you <laughs> because I like it, <laughs> and that is we think the best time to go if you're not going to be hiking is after. Four o'clock, probably. Yeah. Late afternoon, early evening. Because all the tourists and all the people visiting, you know, leave for dinner and whatever. They've been there all day. Um, and really, you can visit the entire park and still daylight. You still get to see everything. And, you know, if you're staying in the area, maybe go two or three times instead of just once if you have to. Like, if there's more for you to see. And to be honest, you could you could even hike still. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you are just going for that one hike, um, go for that one hike, and then the next day come back, drive through the park. Um, the next day, you know, come back for a different hike or something. But I would highly recommend going in the evening. It's just way less populated. We've never had to wait more than five minutes to get into a national park, ever. Even during COVID, even after COVID, you know, right now during this busy time, we've just never waited more than five minutes. I have, but I was by myself. <laughs> and what time were you there? 7 a.m. So. Ish. I think maybe even before that. The opposite of what I just told you. <laughs> the next tip I have is if you're going in the evening to a national park, the first thing you want to do if you haven't done it already or if you plan to do it is go to the visitor center. And that's because that does close sometimes at a decent time like some of the parks it was it closed at four o'clock yeah between four and seven is uh some of the closing times that we've seen mm -hmm. so when you go to the park if you're getting there at four <laughs> or whatever um you'll want to go to the visitor center as soon as you can another tip is if you're staying in that area and you plan to go multiple times 
the first time you go, if you have kids and you plan to do the Junior Ranger program, get the Junior Ranger books the first time the first time you go and then do them either at the park or do them at home and then go back and get your badge. And that way you're not like in a book the whole time you're at the national park. Yeah, you can just kind of sightsee and enjoy yourself. So what we like to do or what I like to do is get the book as soon as as soon as you can while you're there and then flip through it. Maybe even read it out loud to the kids so they know what they're looking for while they're there. But then put the book away and then do the do the park like you would normally. And then you can fill the book out later. Girls, how many Junior Ranger badges do you have right now? I think, I think six I think, or seven. I think or you eight. have seven. I said there's, ten because Well, we we've been ten. to ten parks, but a, a few of them we were not able to do the Junior Ranger program. So I have to go back. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we I should have try. I think we do have seven or six, seven or six. And side note, we just found this out. Some BLM have Junior Ranger programs. Yeah, we went to a BLM office in Cottonwood, Idaho, and they had Junior Ranger program. Yeah, so, so check that out too. And some of the national monuments have the program as well. So, Like Craters of the Moon. The only Lunar Ranger program. If you're taking our first tip of going in the evening to a park, um, stay as late as you can. Most of them, if if not all of them, are open 24 hours. Uh, at least probably everyone that we've been to, I think, has been open 24 hours. Yeah. And there, you can see the sky. It's gorgeous at nighttime. I mean, we Arches was super fun at night. Yeah. So some incredible night skies at these parks. Especially if you go, like, on a full moon or something, because then you can see some of these cool formations with a full moon lighting them up, which is really cool. Yeah, we were at Arches with the full moon on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Now for a small rant. <laughs> and that is the cost to get in national parks. We don't have an issue with it. We go to parks all over, and we have an annual pass. The annual pass is $80, which it's, is still... It has a couple different names. It's America the Beautiful, and sometimes you'll see it called the interagency pass it's literally the same thing and if you're going to you know multiple parks i highly recommend getting that however um i think that the costs to get into the national parks are a little high for families going on vacation and going to a national park and i and this could be part of the reason before i had a family and we went on these trips i didn't actually go to any national parks we went to the badlands um, but there wasn't any other ones, and that's because it's like $30 a car to get in. That's kind of a lot of money, I think, especially because the national parks are funded by federal money, which is our tax dollars too. So <laughs> we're kind of paying them through federal money, which they don't just get small amounts. I mean, I know in 2021 they got like almost $4 billion. It's like $3 billion something dollars. Um, and... There's 61 parks, 400 if you count, like, all the monuments and stuff like that. So let's say 400 parks at $4 billion. I mean, they're getting quite a bit of That's money. That's a decent chunk of change. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that fee could be a little bit smaller just so that it's more accessible for families that can't afford it, especially going to multiple parks on one trip. That would be really expensive um, for some families. So I think that that fee could be a lot less or even free for families. That being said, it does keep the numbers down, so at the same time, it's kind of good. But um, sadly, at the 
cost of that is families don't get to enjoy it. The other negative is that they have a lot of restrictions for dogs. And I get it. Not everybody has a dog. Not everybody likes, uh, you know, dogs being around. But for those of us that do live with our dogs, I mean, our dogs are full-time. And, you know, especially for boondocking or something, we don't want to leave our dogs in the RV because what if something happens and it's too hot or whatever? You know, we don't want to leave our dogs there. We'd rather them come and enjoy the, the park with us. And, you know, we keep them on a leash. We clean up after them. We control them around people. But sadly, because of the bad people out there that have done it wrong, a lot of national parks don't even let you take them on trails. Yeah, there's very few national parks and monuments that we've been to that actually allow dogs anywhere. On the trails. You can take them on, like, the parking lot areas, and you can take them on the, you know, cemented areas. But almost all of them say you can't on the trails. I mean, it's so rare that there's an actual park that is dog friendly. <laughs> like they actually are known to be dog friendly. Other than that, they do great and they are beautiful. And I think that you should work really hard to get to some, if not as many as you can, because they are amazing. Yeah, we've had a great experience going to the parks that we've been to. And there's a some more than others that stick out to me that I'll remember. One of our favorite things is moving to our new home and seeing our new backyard. It's super cool to get a new view all the time. Some are better than others and we want to highlight the best. We're going to give you all the details of one special place to stay in the United States. Today we're going to highlight a harvest host in Amida. Amida, Amida. <laughs> Mida. Might it be Amida? I don't know. <laughs> Amida, Amida. How's that go? Potato, potato. Yep. Tomato, tomato. This place in middle of nowhere, Idaho. The name that shows up on the list is Veterans Assist, and his name is Peter. Very nice guy, very nice property. He's a dog breeder. His puppies are way too cute. Too much cute. <laughs> Cuteness overload. <laughs> They're soft-coated wheat and terriers. And it will be our next dog that we have in our house for sure. <laughs> it is the cutest dog. So soft. His little face just looks at me. I know. Saying, I tried talking them in to get one now, but they just won't do it. Oh, okay. We're done. That's it. Sold. <laughs> and I met a cute, small, short puppy. <laughs> and it followed you everywhere, didn't it? Yeah. We we also met a standard poodle, and his name was Potato. Yes, he was cute, too. Yeah, I think that one, he's about, what is he, four months old? Yeah, Se- 17 months old. 17 weeks, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so cute, both dogs. They were so soft, too. I mean. They I- both followed me around. What was his name? What did you name it? Oh, Brownie. Yes, he was very brown, like a brownie. It, it was like you were just like petting air, almost. They were so soft. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they actually have puppies available right now if you're considering a puppy or looking into puppies. Even if you're not considering a puppy, <laughs> check them out. <laughs> because yeah, do yourself also, a favor and look at these guys up. They're also hypoallergenic, and they don't shed. 
And if you come here, if you drive here to get them, it's a great view. It's a scenic byway that you're on. I mean, it's gorgeous, a gorgeous view here. But he does ship them, fly them to anywhere in the United States. There are some favorite places that he likes to because it's a quicker flight. Um, but he has like a flight nanny on the plane with the dog. So everything is, is nice. They change your mind for sure. They will. They, <laughs> will, they will definitely. They're slowly changing our mind. Okay, back to the camp spot. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, Veterans Assist is about 30 minutes off the highway. Yep. Off and, of, uh, I think it's US 95. And it's right off of the White Pine Byway, which is gorgeous. Yeah, super pretty drive through the, some mountains, through some prairies, all kinds of good stuff. It is about, a, like I said, a 30 minutes out of the way if you're trying to stay on the highway, which was what highway again? US 95. 95. But it is a great little spot. So if you're looking for driving north or south in Idaho and you need somewhere to stay in this area, this is the perfect location for sure. It is so quiet. I don't think I've ever stayed anywhere this quiet, yeah. except for the dogs barking every once in a while and their little puppy noises. Cute. Um. But that is not always there either. So, And they have very dark skies. So if you want to do some stargazing, there's like no lights around here. Except for right now, there's a little bit of smoke. The first night though, we stayed. Some wildfires nearby. Mm-hmm. Getting a little smoke blowing in. There's two spots available. One actually has water and power hookups. Um, I think he charges a small fee. We didn't need that because of our solar and stuff. Um, but it's convenient if you need it. Um, the other spot is just a dry camping spot. It's, they're both pretty uh, good situations if you have to park there. There's fire pits. No size. I mean, you can be any yeah, size. Yeah, unlimited size rig. Um, the only bad thing is if you're going to work here, there really is limited to no cell coverage. We, yeah. we have Verizon and AT&T. We didn't have any coverage. Anywhere around here. About 30 minutes away, there's really good Verizon. <laughs> yes. Uh, but if you don't need it, then, I mean, we were here on the weekend and we didn't need it. Um, so it was it was fine. And there's lots of ATV, mountain bike trails. Oh, and if you have horses, he has a pasture that he allows you to put the horses in. That's yeah. like fenced off It's like area. a two-acre fenced-in pasture. Yep, and, you know, places that you can tie them up. Hitch them up. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part about it is you might get to pet some puppies or play some play with or some puppies. Or adopt one. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's been pretty hard for us. Uh, we've been struggling. We actually stayed here two days, um, and we've been struggling with not getting one. <laughs> and we would have got one if our Jeep was just a tad bigger. They are cute. I was on the verge of caving for just a millisecond. But then I remembered how impractical three dogs would be. The sad thing about the whole thing is we don't even have internet, so we could, like, do researching and show Dad that, look, these people have three dogs. These people have three dogs in a Jeep. These people have three dogs in a Jeep. <laughs> if you're an RVer and travel with three dogs, hit us up in the comments. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the area. If you're looking for other stuff to do in this area, um, this Harvest Host is... It's within an hour and a half of uh, Coeur d'Alene, which is a pretty big town, and same distance from, like, w the Washington-Idaho border. There's Spokane, Washington, which is pretty close. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff to do. Big lakes, Lake Coeur d'Alene. There's another one it north of that. It did take us an hour and a half to get there, did it? Short of an hour and a half, probably an hour and 20. There's also a couple little towns that you pass in between, especially if you take that Jeep trail that we took or the off-road trail. Like a shortcut. Mm-hmm. There's a 14-mile off-road dirt. It's not off-road. It's a gravel road. There's a 14-mile dirt road shortcut, if that tells you about where we're at. <laughs> so top things about this nice harvest host. The host, Peter, is amazing. Very cool guy. The dogs. <laughs> The sweetest things you'll ever see and feel. <laughs> and quiet, dark skies. So if you're looking for some stars, if you're looking to just relax, sit out on your camping chair and have like a good weekend of just relaxing, being in peace, you're in the right spot. We're actually doing this podcast right now with the windows open and you don't even hear anything, which normally you do on these podcasts. <laughs> um, if the quietest place to do a podcast if you need to do a podcast. <laughs> no, the quiet the quietest place to like relax and really soak in nature. And there's really not a bad view from any angle. And that's a wrap. We need that and that's a wrap thing. And that's the mighty five and our tips. I don't know anything else. I think that's a wrap. Sounds good. You know the thing. <laughs> Follow us on all the places. The Fayola's Facebook, Instagram, our website, and the show notes for this one can be found at thefayolas.com slash eight. Slash eight. Forgot what number we're on. Bye. Bye. If you've made it this far, you've got to hear the bloopers. See what's on the news desk today. And today we're going to talk about... Are you making fun of Tara? (laughs) That's not ASMR, that was news radio. Today we are going to highlight a harvest host in... Amida? Idaho? Amida? Amelda? Something like that. There is no L, so it's definitely not Kylie, what you're saying. Amida? Amida, Idaho. Amida, Idaho. Amida, Idaho. Amida got it right. Amida got it wrong. So if you're just taking a break, you can just tie them up. Buttercup. <laughs> what is that? Dog. <laughs> That's what she has to say about getting another dog. <laughs> Were you gonna say there's no bad angles after I said there's no bad angles? <laughs> Lion. Lion said Zion. Sorry, mommy. Voodoo's and the pinnacles. <laughs> so they're the same thing. <laughs> Me too. 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 Me too.
Okay, let's share. Let's share. Let's share. Let's share. Let's share. Let's share. <laughs> <laughs> let's share. <laughs>